Next on BYU Sports Nation, 92 reasons for BYU football to get extra motivated for next season. Plus our goodbye to the St. Mary's trio of seniors and why the Saints like Taysom Hill is the future. What is a fair postseason expectation for BYU basketball on an annual basis? Tournament or bust? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. We're live, BYU Sports Nation, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans. Where, Jerem? Everywhere. That is correct. Thursday, March 22nd, wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who welcomes all fan bases to this show, Jerem Jordan. That's not actually true, uh, but nothing brings Utes and Aggies together like BYU. (laughs) At USU Coog 11, in response to our Twitter question yesterday, or our question of the day. And we're gathering he is a BYU fan that goes to Utah State. That's what we think. Our research uh, has indicated as much. Okay. Uh, he, who do you want to see lose more was the question, I believe. Who do you or, want to see lose least? Oh, oh fewer, less, what? <laughs> uh, St. Mary's of Utah last night. So he, he or she responded, I believe it's he, uh, said, I would rather see St. Mary's get the W tonight. It's always good to see the West Coast Conference beat the Pac-12. Yes. Hoping to see Landale dunk all over David Collette. He didn't tweet at David Collette, okay? More on that in a moment. Still bitter over the way he left Utah State. Oh. Then David Collette, who apparently searched his name, if it wasn't, <laughs> at DCOL713. This is David Collette, Utah Center. After three years, you're still talking about me? <laughs> that must be a big part of your life. Thanks for the support and motivation. And then he said a phrase that I'm not going to say <laughs> on the air. It's not a curse. It just has to do with Utah. Yeah, Colette weighing in essentially on the uh, question of the Aggies and Utes together on they, BYU Sports there's Nation. There's nothing they're more passionate about, including their own fan bases. That was a tier BYU. one question of the day. It's a quad, and that was a quad one win. Yeah, I think. outstanding, yeah. outstanding. Utah ended up beating St. Mary's. We will discuss. Not outstanding. While we're rolling, <laughs> rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. 92 Reasons Athlon Sports releases their 2018 way-too-early college football team rankings for all 130 programs. BYU enters that poll at... 92. Woof. And I quote from the article, after a 4-9 and nine season, it seems unlikely BYU will be down for long. Coach Kalani Satake revamped his staff after last year's disappointing mark, and the changes on offense should provide some help for a unit that averaged only 17.1 points per game in 2017. The concern is, who's going to play quarterback? Jerem, is Athlon's ranking of BYU at 92nd out of 130 too high, too low, or just right? I would hope it's too low. BYU is the 38th worst team in college football this season. Stop it. BYU better be better, or it's going to be Armageddon around here again. Yeah. I would hope the Cougars can at least be in the 60s or 70s or above. The schedule's tough, man. Is it hard to win six games in college football? I would argue no. 63% of college football teams won at least six games last year. I don't think it's that crazy, but... As I've said from this Rammy Umptum, 
The Cougars are scheduling really tough. In fact, I think too tough. Four Power 5 road games plus Boise State. It's just really hard. I'm hoping BYU gets six games. If you win six games, you're in the 50s through 70s. Feel Whatever that means. Phil Steele released his strength of schedule rankings for next year, talking point for a future BYU Sports Nation, but it goes along with what you've been preaching, Jerem. It's too hard. It's just too hard. Why? Who's, who's holding BYU's feet to the fire on this? As for the number 92 and Athlon Sports, that's too low. 92? For the approaching season? It says in the article, the Cougars won't be down for long. Uh, is 92 not down? It's down. If this team goes 5-7, and seven, they'll finish in the top 75 based on strength of schedule. And if they go to a bowl game, top 65. So, yeah, I think it's too low. Spencer, last night Utah beat St. Mary's in Moraga by 11 in overtime in the Ooh. NIT quarterfinals. This marks the end of the Gale season at 30-5. and five. What does the outcome of last night's NIT game mean to you? Well, it means I won't be watching one second of the NIT Final Four, Jeremy. That's exactly right. That's exactly what that means. That's a good thing for everybody. Had the Gales won, perhaps I peek in on Jock Landale and the gang in New York City. Uh, It also means I feel bad for our best frenemy, Alex Jensen, the voice of the Gales. I wanted him to get that trip to Madison Square Garden, hashtag karma backfire. Yeah. Well, we gave it to Marty Wilson one time and Pepperdine beat BYU, so that happened. Did we give him the karma, or did we just wish him good luck? Well, that was the karma. (laughs) Okay, here's my reaction. Uh, How hollow is a 30-win season when you bow out in the NIT? You you don't get into the NCAA tournament. You're a one seed and have a home game with a chance to get to the Final Four. All I heard was NIT loss. I wanted St. Mary's to win last night and uh, actually win the NIT, so the season would be even more hollow, frankly. Uh, But Utah won. How about... Why did St. Mary's just not even show up in overtime and lose by nine? Couldn't they have done that December 30th in Provo where they outscored uh, BYU by 10? Yeah, they were amazing in overtime in Provo. Now they don't care when the season's on the line. Come on. It'll be a new era for St. Mary's. Three seniors graduating. Jock Landale, Emmett Nara, Calvin Hermanson. See ya. It has been well documented on this daily program that the last time BYU faced the three-headed senior monster at St. Mary's of Jock Landale... Emmett Nahr, and the goggled wonder Calvin Hermanson. The Cougars did so, leaving as winners in Las Vegas. We watched that crazy efficient trio play their final game last night. Jerem, how do you best say farewell to these three all-time Cougar foes? I can only do it one way. Cue the music. St. Mary's seniors, Jock Landale, Emmett Nahr, and Calvin Hermanson. Boy, have you been a thorn in BYU's side and ushered in St. Mary's face. After going 5-0 last season and this regular season against BYU, the Cougars finally got you in Vegas. And Utah did too last night. I would say it's sad to see it end, but we're stoked it's over, let's be honest. Good luck after this, and remember, your your last two losses were to the Cougars and Utes. Goodbye. (laughs) See you, suckers! Those guys were so good against BYU. They were so good. Like, ugh, they were so hard. They're, they're basically the reason St. Mary's face showed up. Like, it was Dell of a Dagger originally. Those three were so hard for BYU to play against. But BYU got over the hump. In the la- I mean, BYU's lost five of the last six against St. Mary's. But they got them in Vegas for the first time. I saw a fantastic tweet last night from a former 
BYU student PA of BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to Chase. That is production assistant. And uh, he said, it is kind of awesome that BYU beat St. Mary's to knock them out of the NCAA tournament, or at least getting included, and then allowed the Utes to beat them and knock them out of the NIT. <laughs> It was Chase? Yeah. He's a Utah fan. I know. We had a Utah fan work here. <laughs> he came around a that little got, bit. No, he didn't. I got past the goalie. Oh. <laughs> the hiring process was Five hole. very thorough on that one. <laughs> Chase was good. He was good. Oh, shall we move along? We shall. Tuesday, former BYU associate head coach Heath Troy joined the program, said this about postseason expectations and Dave Rose. You know, everyone wants to go to the NCAA tournament, and everyone wants to do, you know, do those things. And you know, it's uh, I think 100% that you know I think it's a victim of his own success. But I would also tell tell people be careful, like you know, because what you have there is special. Indeed, Spencer, what is a fair NCAA tournament expectation for BYU moving forward? Okay, I want to establish an expectation so that people won't be disappointed and that we will feel happy. And that fair expectation is for BYU to win 23-plus games every season and be in the bubble conversation. That's where I would like to set the expectation for BYU basketball moving forward. I hope BYU makes the NCAA tournament every stinking year. But in the current context of making the field of 68, as we have been uh, privy to see Tom Homo and his tournament committee experience, it's just really difficult. It's, it's too much to expect right now for BYU to make the tournament every year. It'll take 25-plus wins, including a more difficult trek through non-conference. BYU made it six years in a row. Six years in a row. That's incredible. At large. Longest, at large. longest run the Cougars have ever had. Ever. Dave Rose is a really good coach. No one's arguing that. It's just, has BYU basketball been good enough for the program standard? The standard's been making the tourney. You can't make the tourney and then not make it be like, everything's cool, relax. Uh, I I sense that there's angst because fans wanted BYU to make the tourney at least once the last three years. It's been a while since BYU to make it at least once in a three-year span. BYU's had some turnover, guys left that they didn't expect. Whose fault that is is not the conversation right now, but things happen. I'm with you. I think that we need to hope BYU makes the NCAA tournament instead of expect them to. I said at the beginning of this year that I was thinking this was a rebuilding year. Not a rebuilding, but a build towards the NCAA tournament for next year. But when BYU went 11-2 and and played a close game with St. Mary's and played better defense, I thought, okay, this team's got a chance to go to the tourney. The issue is, you think it's hard for BYU to get in. St. Mary's isn't even getting in with that, that kind of uh, win total. But it's strength to schedule. Like, the dynamic and the metrics going into how you get in. Totally different. BYU has to change completely how they schedule. So I hope, like you said, the same thing, that BYU is bubblicious and gets into the tourney every couple of years. Next year would be nice. BYU is capable. We know that. No one's arguing capability. We're arguing whether you do it or not. But it's too much to expect it every year at this juncture of – Seeding the field of 68. It's a different game now. And that was slammed home by what happened from the tournament selection committee this season. All right, Jerem. The National Women's Soccer League Rookie of the Year. 
Ashley Hatch called up to the United States women's national team once again. She is balling at the pro level like she did at BYU. That got us thinking. Who is the most successful BYU athlete at the professional level right now? What is success? That's the question I would uh, would ask. You could argue Jimmer Fredette, 37 a game in China. That's pretty good. Okay? Million, millions coming in. Yes. Uh, how's, how's the conversion rate into dollars? Ashley Hatch is up there, too, of course. Your contract is certainly a validating uh, factor in that regard. Ziggy Ansah is going to make $17 million this year. Kyle Van Noy, There are lots of candidates. But my guy is playing in the top league in the world in his sport on a good team. And he plays for Team USA in the Olympics and internationally. It's Taylor Sander. Oh, okay. Taylor Sander, to me, is the best former BYU athlete in his sport right now. It's volleyball, so I know it's not as popular or understood as easily. But I think Sander is the best at his sport in the world from BYU. He's an Olympic medalist. Got a bronze medal. Uh, He competes in, uh, you know, World League. He's been World League MVP as a rookie. Yeah, that's a great selection. He's good. He's really good. Ashley Hatch is also making a case. I mean, she is playing with the best team in the country, which is the national team. She's one of the best players in the entire country. But how much of a role does she play there? And I keep going back to Ziggy Ansah because I'm like, you're making a boatload of money. You're one of the NFL sack leaders on a team that is traditionally mediocre. And he's an, all, he's an all-pro, right? Pro Bowl guy, all-pro. Those are two different things. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's an all-pro player. So if you were to put together a U.S. national team of football, Ziggy would be on that and would be competing. So I, I think that he edges out, in my mind, Ashley Hatch and Taylor Sander. Uh, because of what he's doing on the football field. Also, he has the most amazing story ever, and I'm still waiting for the 30 for 30. It's way better than million-dollar arm, even though that was good. It's better than a bunch of these. The blind side. Greater than the blind side. Yes. Mike Orr has been like a decent tackle. Like, Zygianza's really good. He's from Ghana. (laughs) Like, it's insane. (laughs) Those are great stories. Ziggy is an amazing movie that needs to be made. And I want to be a part of it, and I want to get dunked on Let's in go. the Richards building. We need to finish our casting. We need like to finish our central casting assignment for the Ziggy oh, yeah. Ansa movie, Jared. We did that. We did that on the drive down to <laughs> St. George. We, we took care of most of it. We need to finish that up, man. I think it's basically finished. And put it out for the masses. I have it as a draft still? Yeah, I, I hope you do. We spent a lot of time on that. Our question of the day, is it fair to expect BYU basketball to make the NCAA tournament each year, why or why not? Yeah, I got it. I just found it. Okay. Our first response in from at Meredith underscore Cody. I think it's fair to expect it. Yes, at least that's what we're cheering for, right? Well, cheering is hoping, right? What not to expecting. Ex- what to expect versus hope. He know? continues. I don't think any fan wants them to lose enough to make it to the NIT instead of the NCAA tournament. Want and hope are different than expect expecting. I think we've expected BYU to make the tourney at least one of the last three years. We were talking about Sweet 16. The word Final Four came up. That's why, that's why there's been this you know, disappointing, uh, disappointment lingering despite the success of the program. Coming up, BYU Baseball is on ESPNU. Roxy Bernstein in studio. Will Taysom Hill be Drew Brees' backup next season, or will he be third string again? We'll ask Saints beat writer Josh Katzenstein next. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Listen to BYU Baseball versus Gonzaga tonight on BYU Radio as Justin Blattner goes against Jordan Wood on the mound. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. You can watch on ESPNU as well. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio, Sirius XM Channel 143. The conversation rolling right now on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On the Twitter machine, follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN whenever you reply. Our question of the day, is it fair to expect BYU basketball to make the NCAA tournament each year? Why or why not? At DStokes11 with this tweet. No, that's not a reasonable expectation, but winning a tournament game in any tournament is. How do you feel about that, Jerem? Not any tournament, not, not necessarily. I, you always want to win wherever you are, but you want to be in the NCAA tournament. And if you're not, then, yeah, do the best you can. Go to, the, uh, go to Madison Square Garden. See the see Times Square. Do the whole deal. Uh, yeah, awesome. So the expectation to win at least one game in the NIT is too high. I'm not talking about winning in the NIT. Okay, he's not, sa- that's what he's saying. Like, I know. In I, any tournament. No, I'm not going to talk about what you do going into the <laughs> NIT. No. Joining us when, now. When we go there, yes. But. On the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is New Orleans Saints beat writer for the Times-Picayune, Josh Katzenstein. Josh, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. How you doing? We are fantastic this morning, and we would love to uh, pick your brain about Taysom Hill. Starting with this. Where does Taysom Hill rank among the most celebrated special teams players in New Orleans Saints history? <laughs> um, well, I mean, certainly he provided a little excitement, but uh, he's got a long way to go to uh, get to the top of that list. Um, oddly enough, uh, a couple of the biggest heroes in Saints history uh, were from special teams. Steve Gleason, yes. of course. Uh, blocking the punts um, in the you know homecoming game after uh, you know the, the first game you know it was the first game after Hurricane Katrina uh, back yeah. in New Orleans. Uh, Michael the Beer Man Lewis was you know a, a top-notch uh, punt and kick returner uh, who's in the Saints Hall of Fame. And um, you know as good as uh, Taysom was you know last year in his little audition at the end of the year, I think he had four tackles uh, in the last five games of the season. Um, he wasn't even the best rookie special teamer they had. They had this other guy, uh, Justin Hardy, who led the team uh, throughout the year. He had eight tackles and uh, a blocked punt um, that led to a touchdown. So, uh, you know, but, but Taysom certainly yeah, filled filled a role. And, uh, you know, I think the Saints were excited to, to see him help out. UA fans re- revered Taysom Hill. He got hurt so many times playing here, yet he was undrafted, had an incredible, uh, you know, pro day at BYU. Fast, big dude, um, and then he gets into the league, and then he made a fifty-three man roster, which was exciting. Uh, originally, with the you know Packers, maybe in the, it gets released Saints. What's the vibe and uh, conversation like about Taysom Hill, and maybe where he fits on this team now and in the future? Uh, well, the Saints seem you know really excited about him. Um, they obviously you know still have to evaluate him because you know he spent training camp in the preseason last year with the Packers, so. Uh, you know, they've really only seen, you know, a limited view of what he can do in practice because, you know, he was a number three quarterback um, and they had their backup, Chase Daniel, primarily running the scout team. So, uh, you know, based on what little they've seen, they they really like him um, and, and they like him enough to think that, you know, 
he, you know, is in position to compete for the number two job behind Drew Brees next year. Uh, they signed Tom Savage to replace Chase Daniel, but Tom Savage, you know, is on a pretty uh, you know, minimal one-year deal. So, you know, they're definitely not giving that job to him, even though he has experience. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, think, I think we're all pretty curious to see what he can do because, you know, uh, we, we don't have access to those practices. Drew Brees was very complimentary of Taysom Hill in the article you put out on Monday saying he has the work ethic, intelligence, toughness, and intangibles to be a great quarterback. That said, what's the biggest hesitation with Taysom Hill? I think it's two things. Just a little bit of what I was just talking about is that, you know, they they have to see, you know, how he can operate the offense um, just because they haven't had that opportunity. And then I think the other just has to be injuries. I mean, you know, with, with him getting hurt so much at BYU, I mean, I think that certainly damaged his draft stock, which is why he went undrafted. I mean, obviously he had plenty of potential. I mean, he's been showing that, you know, since, what, 2012, 13, you know, when he was a sophomore or even a freshman, I guess, you know, for, uh, you know, part of that season. Uh, but, you know, when, when a guy gets hurt as often as he does, you know, even if they were just fluky injuries, you know, at a position like quarterback where, you know, you are in position to, to take big hits, um, I think that just has to be a concern. But, uh, you know, he, he managed to stay healthy, you know, while he was playing special teams. And, and I think, you know, you're putting yourself in, in harm's way, you know, when you're, when you're doing, running down on kickoffs or punts. Um, so, you know, if he, can, if he can manage to stay healthy, uh, you know, he's, uh, I think he'll certainly improve his chances of being around here long term. Anytime a quarterback does a non-quarterback thing, it's like this big deal, right? Oh, he's on special teams. Oh, like it's just weird, you know. So we we all love it. If Taysom Hill ends up being the backup, he's not as likely to be thrown out in other positions, right? His safety will be uh, more uh, valued at that point. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, uh, people ask me all the time. They're like, they're like, if we really think this highly of Taysom Hill, like, why would we risk him? You know, on special teams. Like, well, last year the odds of him ever going into the game were so small because I mean, Drew Brees is crazy durable. And then, you know, just the odds of having two quarterbacks get hurt before his opportunity would come up are just, you know, crazy. Um, but yeah, I would definitely think that, you know, if he is the number two quarterback, you know, that's the spot where you probably don't want to risk the guy, even though, you know, he certainly can help. Troy Aikman made the comment from Sean Payton. Hey, our future quarterback is in the building referring to Taysom Hill during the season. Drew Brees, new contract. How long is kind of the expectation for Drew Brees to be the guy and then for someone else to take over? Um, well, so Drew Brees signed a uh, two-year deal, um, you know, last week or two weeks ago. Sorry, free agency uh, seems to be running together. Yeah, it was last week. Um, so, I mean, the expectation is that, you know, Drew Brees is going to be here until he retires. He said in the past that he wants to play until 45. But it seems like that might not be the case anymore, and I'm pretty sure you know if the Saints win a Super Bowl, you know that that might be a good opportunity for you know him to you know go out on a high note. Yeah. But uh, you know, whenever Breeze is done, I mean, I, I would be shocked if the Saints draft a quarterback this year, um, just based on you know where they're picking in the draft and you know some of the other holes that they have. Uh, so you know, Taysom Hill should have this opportunity this year, this summer to prove, you know, that he has the uh, potential to be that long-term replacement. Um, now, obviously for him, I mean, we talked to him last year, you know, he wants to start, like he's going to keep 
trying like you know working like he's the starter even though it's Drew Brees um so you know as long as he can you know play up to a level that's satisfactory to the coaches uh I mean he has a chance to you know earn that you know long-term job but again you know just with the injuries and things like that um that that could be the one thing that you know even if he plays well he might not be on solid footing even after Drew Brees is gone Josh Katzenstein, New Orleans Saints beat writer for the Times-Picayune with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's finish with a one-word response, Josh. Taysom Hill will be the second-string quarterback for the New Orleans Saints when the season begins. Yes or no? Yes. I will go with yes. All right. Great stuff, Josh. We appreciate the time, man. We'll be talking to you again soon. Cool. Thanks, guys. Josh Katz has seen on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. At no point in that conversation did Taysom Hill's age come up. I'm happy about that. It doesn't he's matter what, right now. He's in the league. I he's on the team, and so it doesn't matter. Like yeah. It's a thing when you're being drafted or being looked at, but if you're in, you're in. He's undrafted, so it's kind of different, right? Yeah. Coming up, ESPN's Roxy Bernstein in studio discussing hoops in tonight's Gonzaga versus BYU baseball game. And next, from the BYU Jimmerettes, as Jerem Jordan calls them, Kylie Greenleaf. She's really, really talented. You should pay attention. We are eight days away from BYU Football Pro Day, which for the first time ever will be live on BYU TV with a special two-hour BYU Sports Station next Friday, March 30th, from noon to 2 Eastern time from the indoor practice facility. I can't wait to see people rave about Jonah Trinneman's 40 speed and see his crazy vertical. Go sub 4-4, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah. See Get it your next speed week. training in, Jerem. Let's go, man. I know uh, I need mine. Yeah, I'm not doing Are you running the 40? No, I'm not running the 40. You're not going to run the 40? Maybe I will. I don't know. I didn't even think about it. You have eight it. days to train. <sighs> Stretch out the hammies. Me and Keaton Kringle need to hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio. Our national simulcast is on your television screens on BYU TV. We're, of course, on demand anytime, anywhere. Bring on today's headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Beginning with this, BYU football completed spring practice number eight yesterday. No practice scheduled for today, but the spring rundown will continue tomorrow with a closed session at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Check out the BYU TV Sports Facebook page for interviews and recaps tomorrow. Also, Athlon Sports, if you missed our opening segment, released college football's 130-team rankings for 2018. BYU comes in at number 92. Let's just ignore it because it's inconvenient. Cougar baseball begins a three-game series against Gonzaga today, uh, tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPNU and BYU Radio. In the next segment, we'll chat with Roxy Bernstein, who's on the call tonight, a friend of the program. NWSL Rookie of the Year and former BYU soccer star Ashley Hatch called up to the U.S. women's national team 22-player roster for upcoming friendlies against Mexico on April 5th and 8th. Good luck, Ashley. And Zach Blair, Daniel Summerhays, and Mike Weir all tee off today in the Corrales Club Championship on the PGA Tour. In the Dominican Republic, Blair finished his first round at one under. Nicely done. Summerhays, currently on the course, is even. And Weir tees off in about 10 minutes. 20th-ranked BYU Gymnastics is bearing down on the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Championship meet. Joining us now to preview that is the senior floor specialist who recently posted a 995, nice. Kylie Greenleaf. Kylie, welcome to What's Studio up, B. Thanks for having me. Okay, were you, were you mad when you didn't get a perfect 10? Honestly, no. I was actually <laughs> surprised by my score. I thought it would be a 99, not a 995. Mm. So 
I was stoked. Okay. Career high, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Is that, the score is an indicator of such, but is that the best you felt after a floor routine? Like, uh, I, were you like, I nailed it? No, it's not. I've had a few that I felt a little bit better about, and I see my score, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so this, and I was like, yes. They, and Brogan came up to me, our floor coach. She's like, Kylie, I'm glad that they finally see in you what I see every day. I was like, thanks, Brogan. <laughs> so, Single tear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, what are your expectations for the BYU Jimmerettes as they have been G G Y M Jimmerettes? Yes, yes. Jimmerettes. Okay, as you approach the MRGC Championships in Cedar City, um, we've said a lot all along this year that our goal is to win conference, and I think that's in the back of our minds. But we're just focused on, as Guard always says, hits and sticks. So we want to get those hit routines and the stuck dismounts and. Honestly, we just want another big score because it's another away score that can boost our RQS going into the selection show next Monday. Ah, uh, yes, so. the regional qualifying score. Yes. Now, there's no, like, bracketology, and maybe, <laughs> I'm, maybe I've missed it. There's a Joe Lenardi for gymnastics or something, but how is it kind of shaping out? What are you guys hoping for uh, on Monday when you find out where you're going for regionals? Because you're going. It's just what? Yeah. Um, you know, I think Guard really wants us to end up in Utah, and— if we end up at the University of Utah, then that's great. But I think no matter where we end up, we'll put up a good fight. And we're a good team. And I don't know if everyone sees that coming. So we're excited. Let's talk about how you get out of the regionals, too. The t- okay. So, so what is it? Top two in each mm-hmm. region? And then, like, the next best two scores or something like that? So in each region, there's going to be six teams. And out of those six teams, the top two make it to nationals. And then at nationals, there's super six and stuff like that. Yeah. But. And getting to getting out of regionals would be a huge accomplishment. Oh, absolutely! I think the last time gymnastics made nationals was in two thousand five. It's been so, a while. while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Kylie Greenleaf of twentieth ranked BYU gymnastics with us on BYU Sports Nation. Is there a number that you're gunning for as a team score? Like, okay, if we post this score, we feel pretty good about our chances of advancing to nationals. Um. I mean, all along, we've kind of said we want to get that 197 because we're so close and we just have those few minor details that if we get that, we know that we're capable. What's crazy is had you said that to me two years ago, I would have been like, hey, let's uh, let's go for high 195. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Ah, It's kind of up there. (laughs) It's a little more realistic, but no. 197 is within reach. Oh, absolutely. Why the jump this year to into the top 20? Because this team is the best team BYU's fielded in several years. Oh, yeah. Um. I think that we believe in ourselves, but not only that, we've put in the work and we've put in the numbers. We were all here in the summer um, voluntarily working out, and I think that has made a huge difference in our um, the way we performed this year. We have the confidence that we haven't necessarily had before. What goes into that? Like, what changed in practice? I know you said you're putting in more work and you offer up more individual time, but... I mean, the, the, di- the dimensions and the dynamic of practice have changed from what oh. I hear. So how, how is that? Explain that to us. Well, this year we have a pretty big team, and, you know, you could see that as a negative, but I see it as a positive. We have so many girls and so much depth that we're competing every single day just to make the lineup that weekend. And I think that has made us that much better because it's not like, oh, yeah, I'm on the floor team. I'm going to compete floor every week. No, I have to earn that spot every single week because there's so many girls that are even pushing me to get better every week. So... What goes into picking the song for your floor routine? Oh, man. So, honestly, Brogan puts a lot of thought into it. She chose Phantom of the Opera for me, which was kind of funny because I had never seen the movie. And I was sick one day, and she's like, okay, Kylie, when you're at home, you have to watch it. I was like, okay. <laughs> so they pick something. We work together with the coaches, but they'll choose something that works their personality really well and the way we dance. So, 
Yeah. So you don't even pick. You just agree to the one that Brogan suggests. A little bit, yeah. Interesting. Then, then do you come to love that song? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, wait, emotionally, what's that like? Because that's a sh- song that when you, when you hear that the rest of your life, you're going to be thinking about your floor routine. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of crazy because I'll hear a part of it and I'm like, oh, and I'm like, start to do my floor routine in my head. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not doing gymnastics right now. Like, stop. And your team can too. Exactly. That's the fun part during the floor. We've had some yeah. fun conversations about floor routines and music. Shannon Hortman Evans mm-hmm. hates sharks. Oh, she's terrified. Learned, and Brogan picked the music. And there's Jaws music in there, and she didn't even know Shannon hated sharks. It just worked out that way. And then she got a 10 by one judge <laughs> this year on that song. Hey, yep. let's go. Let's go. Kylie Greenleaf with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of emotions are you dealing with as a senior on this team? Um, You know, it's been kind of... A little bit different because it is my fifth year, and I didn't necessarily expect to take my fifth year. So this year has been a lot of gratitude for me. Um, I've worked really hard and earned this spot to be here, and I think that I've just been appreciating every single practice I have, even when it's really hard. Like, I'm grateful to be there, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'll be sad once it's over, obviously, but it's been an amazing year. Congratulations on a fantastic season and uh, bigger things ahead. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Oh, perfect. Moving forward Saturday for the meet in Cedar City, mm-hmm. MRGC, okay? And uh, we'd also like you to solidify that karma reception by giving us your autograph on our Stretch Y flag. Perfect. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks for having me. Hey, you got, got it. it. You can do it right now if you want. Yeah. yeah. Gymnastics is really good. If you haven't seen them compete yet, they're legit. You called a meet this year. It was so fun. It was, this, it was the highest score they put up in like 13 years. I was like, <laughs> maybe I better call the rest of the meets, man. And then that, uh, what is it, the acai bowl or whatever from uh, Guard Acai bowl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's literally the best thing I've eaten in my entire life. Kylie knows all about that. It was oh, incredible. Yeah. Hey, coming up, we'll update you with former Cougars on the course in the PGA Tour. And did Roxy Bernstein come into town today just... To do a hit on BYU Sports Nation. Let's hope they play tonight with weather. <laughs> Please, baseball. We'll ask him next. Does ESPN pay for this interview? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Coming off an emotional, dramatic Tuesday night extra inning win with a walk-off wild pitch against Utah, the Batcats jump right back into conference play with Gonzaga at Miller Park tonight. 8 Eastern, live on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Enormous series. BYU swept by LMU. These games are becoming more and more critical as the Cougars look to finish in the top four and clinch one of those berths into the West Coast Conference postseason tournament. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. Our daily we broadcast as weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Our question of the day. Have you answered it yet, Jerem? Is it fair to expect BYU hoops to make the NCAA tournament each year? Why or why not? Yeah, I I think it's unfair. We discussed that. I think you can. I think from the fan base perspective, maybe it's hope instead of expect. Now, the team can do whatever it wants. By the way, we're not saying what the team should do. They do whatever they want. At they Coug- use whatever motivation they want. Yeah. At Cougar Stats tweets in. No, it's not fair. Only nine schools out of 351 have a current streak of six or more NCAA tournament appearances in a row. Which BYU did. We're not talking about. Getting a streak, we're talking about just, just make just it. What before the, a season? What do you say? Yeah, BYU has averaged one appearance out of every three since the tournament started, and one of every two since Danny Ainge played. To expect it each year is unreasonable. So every other year, some so, empirical so year. facts. So next year, yes. Joining us now is ESPN play-by-play specialist who is in town to call the BYU baseball game tonight. 
hoping he gets to call the BYU baseball game tonight to uh, prevent a doubleheader on BYU TV tomorrow. Roxy Bernstein. Roxy, Roxy? nice to have you back. You're probably hoping that we get the game in more yes. than anybody tonight. Yes. That yes. way you don't have to call two tomorrow. He gets paid the same. So Just yeah. a few <laughs> innings. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You get paid the same? The Salary. same, man. Salary, bro. I got to talk to somebody about that, man. <laughs> Spencer, you need a better agent. A few innings. You need work a few innings in, man. Uh, Roxy, let's start with basketball. And uh, the two teams that BYU fans love to cheer against the most, St. Mary's and Utah, matching up in the NIT last night. What did, you, what did you think about that matchup in Moraga last night? First off, did you hear about Utah's travel problems? Uh, Airbnb. How about that? Yes. So they, explain. They, so I guess, uh, I don't know if Utah expected the NIT or St. Mary's to book them hotel rooms. I, I don't know how that exactly was lost in translation there. <laughs> but... They were scrambling, and Utah ended up booking a 16-bedroom house place off of Airbnb. <laughs> That's how they stayed in the Bay Area in preparation for the NIT game in Moraga last Couldn't night. Couldn't have stayed at your place? My, I don't have 16 beds, so <laughs> my place was out. Um, I was a little surprised that Utah won, won in, went in there and won, especially that David Collette didn't play in the second half because he got hurt. But I know that Justin Bibbins and, and Cedric Barefield played great last night. And I know St. Mary's was still a little bit bitter about not making the NCAA tournament. But they played well, I thought, in their first two games. A- at home in Moraga, I don't expect St. Mary's to lose. And so give, give Coach ADK some credit. And <laughs> you know, you know the audience. I was here for it. Come on. You know, man. Oh, my goodness. That, that was, that's a good, really good win for Utah. So I know that I probably shouldn't be saying it this, is. but I'm, I'm happy for them. That was a quad one win. <laughs> when it doesn't matter. It was on the road. Yes. It's a, top it's a good road RPI victory. Yes. Right. Okay, another team in the league, the Zags. They're in the Sweet 16. That region's pretty wild. you got nine-seed Florida State with Gonzaga tonight, three-seed Michigan against seven-seed Texas A&M. Do you think Gonzaga's going to the Final Four again? I do. In fact, but I did before the tournament, even though the rest of my bracket went up in flames like everybody else's. I did have the Zags to the Final Four. Mm. So I, I'm kind of still in that bracket. My national champion is long gone. Uh, this was who? Arizona. Me, yeah, I had Arizona in the Final Four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I just I, I feel pretty smart that I didn't have Virginia making it out of the second weekend. <sighs> oh, you had them losing in the second round. I, I had, no, I had them losing actually to Arizona in the Sweet 16. Gotcha. But that was before we knew the injury that Hunter was hurt. So, but still... <laughs> UMBC running him out of the gym by 20. I don't <laughs> think incredible. anybody in their wildest dreams thought that was possible. But I, I just something about the Zags team and the way I saw them playing down the stretch. Um, I mean, look how they demolished the field in, in BYU in the championship game in Vegas. The way they dismantled St. Mary's and Moraga that night, I was just blown away at how good they were defensively. And that's why I thought that, you know what? They have a vet- veteran backcourt with Perkins and Melson. And Norvell, I didn't see him stepping up and being Mr. March and hitting those huge no shots. Fear. How about Killian Tilly's run in Vegas? That's ridiculous. Like he didn't miss. He missed no. like three. And then we haven't even gotten to Rui Hachimura yet, who is, who is honestly my favorite player in college basketball. He is. Yeah. I, I just love watching him play. All right, the Zags tonight in the Sweet 16. Meanwhile, that's going head to head with the baseball. Yeah. The Zags baseball team is in Pro Bowl for a game that all of a sudden feels vital for for BYU. How do you manage your fandom, wanting to keep track of basketball, and you got to call baseball? How, how do you do that as a broadcaster? Well, as my partner Wes Clements, who's working the game with me tonight, will tell you, 
I'm a pretty good multitasker. <laughs> so there could be a number of devices open on the table in addition to me calling the baseball game tonight. I may or may not have my computer open up on the basketball. It's possible. Um, San Jose Sharks have a game tonight, so it's possible. <laughs> They're playing the Vegas Vegas Golden Knights. Huge game in the Pacific oh, yeah, Division. Yeah. So there's a chance my cell phone may be streaming the game. Uh, it's possible, but I will be focused in on the baseball. How's that? I love it. One off-season topic related to Gonzaga is the, the rumor of potentially them going to the Mountain West. Uh, how do you see that affecting things if Gonzaga goes to the Mountain West? Um, I have a lunch wager with somebody about this topic, actually, and uh, a head coach in the West Coast Conference. Oh. I, I'm not, I can't yeah. divulge names or anything, but I'm, I'm pretty steadfast in believing they're staying, that they're not going. Um, this coach has, has, since we made this friendly lunch wager, back down from his stance and is coming around and thinking that they're, that they're staying. Here, here's my th- thinking on it. If you leave for the Mountain West, what are you gaining? If you're a Gonzaga, what are you gaining? You're getting less exposure because you're not going to be on ESPN. You're going to be on CBS Sports Network for the most part. You have to go to wonderful places like Laramie. And I know this all too well. See, I mean, so what are you actually gaining? You have a great travel schedule as it is now. They charter everywhere. And the model is, my time. point is the model is working right now for Gonzaga. For me, exactly. And that's my thinking get also. Your revenue sharing differently. Okay, they already got the bump up a few years ago when they re- kind of renegotiated it. That's what they what, want. What, they want more in, money. In what? What they want more about? money. That's, what? They want more units in terms of the national television more percentage package. Of the Correct. ESPN deal, right? And look, I, I get their gripe. I get where Mark Few and Mike Roth are coming from that they're. For all intents and purposes, the real driving force behind basketball. Yes, BYU does bring in probably, if not right there with Gonzaga, maybe a little bit lower in terms of, but they're clearly the top two teams that register with fan bases and ratings as far as the West Coast Conference. So I get where they're coming from. I think they're just using as bargaining chips and trying to maneuver some more units or a better percentage of the pie. That's what it feels like. Exactly. If they leave, it's because they're bored. They just they just want something else. But bigger you know gyms. It, it's but, all cyclical. You know, you know we granted, okay, this is thirty years ago, but USF was the dominant team in this league. Pepperdine had a terrific run. Santa Clara's had some really good teams. The the problem with the perception for the WCC to me this year in basketball was the bottom of the league was pretty down. I mean, you were looking at the teams at the bottom of the league, they struggled, and you're playing some plus 300 RPI games because of it. And I think that's another thing that Gonzaga was a little upset about. Roxy Bernstein, ESPN play-by-play man with us on BYU Sports Nation in Studio B again. This is becoming a more and more regular occurrence, and we couldn't be happy. Yeah, like I like coming back times. to Provo. It's great, yeah. Red well, Iguana, Shirley's Bakery. I didn't maybe? make – I have not made it to Shirley's yet. I will hit it before the end of the trip. Yeah, you got you got to take Wes over to uh, Shirley's well, Bakery, well, right? Tomorrow morning. What, Wes, what time's your flight tomorrow? Wes is here, the analyst. My flight <laughs> This okay, fl- okay the flight is after, after Shirley's. After Shirley's, yeah. definitely. So that's a possibility for tomorrow. Um, we need to get them as a sponsor. We mention them every time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's right down the street. I mean, they should cater lunch for you guys. 
You'd think. Or breakfast or something. Hey, Couldn't they drop off idea. a whole batch of cinnamon we're, rolls? We're, we're on, on to something. something here. We are on to something. We Marketing, absolutely. branding. We should probably talk more about the BYU-Gonzaga baseball game. I don't, I don't know. Well, th- that is happening as well. Well, when Mark Few comes out in the sixth inning to make a pitching change. <laughs> and Rui Hachimura comes out of the bullpen. <laughs> I would love for you to accidentally drop. Now, Gonzaga, in all seriousness, Gonzaga baseball, they're a sneaky team. Okay, played a one-run game with number one-ranked Oregon State. Hey, a couple years ago, they, they made it in as an at-large. Yes, like they, they snuck into the NCAA regionals. They had two shutouts last week against Pepperdine in a series. And what do you think about Gonzaga's baseball team and the challenge they present to BYU tonight? Well, if we remember that series at the end of last year oh, and how yes. critical that was. Yes. I know. It, it's unfortunate that here we are early in league play. You'd like this series to be near the end of conference play because there's a lot riding on it. And with teams at that point jockeying for position, trying to get to the WCC tournament. So, but here we are. Hopefully the weather will allow us to get this series in tonight. But it's, it's become a rivalry. It's a rivalry in basketball. That's very clear. And I think it's become a rivalry in baseball considering how last season shaped out. They lost some big guns on the mound, speaking mm-hmm. of Gonzaga. But so has BYU. So what kind of a game do you expect in, uh, with rain in the forecast tonight? Well, that's the tough thing is how do you manage your pitching? And in game one of a series, you're going with your ace. Okay, so what Jordan Woodle pitched tonight for BYU, assuming we play. Um, but how do you, if, if you're Mike Littlewood, how do you – if there's rain in the forecast, do you push him back? Do you hold him? knowing that, okay, we're probably going to have better weather on Saturday and let him pitch then and maybe piece this game together tonight. That's the interesting thing, of the dynamic of the weather coming into play because it looks like the weather's not supposed to be any better tomorrow, although it's looking more promising for tonight than it was you know, yesterday, the day before, and this morning checking the weather. But I think that's the interesting factor here is how do you manage your pitching staff knowing that weather could be an issue the rest of the weekend. All right, Roxy Bernstein of ESPN, giving you some BYU Sports Nation karma that you will be able to call at least a few innings tonight. Oh, you want me to go the full nine. You need me to go the full nine. <laughs> yes, yes, Roxy, please. <laughs> Save my voice for tomorrow on uh, BYU TV. Uh, by the way, more of Roxy and uh, his partner Wes Clements on ESPNU tonight, yep. 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time start. Listen on BYU Radio if you're in your car or wherever. Uh, but enjoy, enjoy the call. I'm just going to... Put it out there. You will call the game. I hope we call a game tonight. Call a game, whether it's on the air or not. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move it indoors. We'll play in the Marriott Center. We got room in there, right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Go Sharks and go Zags, <laughs> right, Jerem? Go Zags, but not in baseball. <laughs> Coming up, what former Cougar will be inducted into the San Diego Padres Hall of Fame? Plus, more of your responses to our question of the day. Is it fair to expect BYU basketball to make the NCAA tournament each year? Why or why not? It could be Gonzaga and expect the Sweet 16 every year. <sighs> we just want to get there. Jeez. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Big shout-out to today's guests, Roxy Bernstein, Kylie Greenleaf, and Josh Katzenstein of the Times-Picayune. Loaded show today. And if you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Cougars completed spring practice number eight yesterday. No practice today. A closed session at Lavelle Edwards Stadium scheduled for tomorrow. Check out the BYU TV Sports Facebook page for interviews and recaps from previous practices. Also, Athlon Sports released its college football 130 uh, rankings. 
pre-spring football, and BYU came in at 92. <laughs> baseball. Cougar baseball begins a three-game series against Gonzaga tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPNU and BYU Radio. Go Zags in basketball, not baseball. NWSL Rookie of the Year and former BYU soccer star Ashley Hatch called up to the USA Women's National Team. 22-player roster for the upcoming friendlies versus Mexico on April 5th and 8th. Cougars in the PGA. I haven't done this in a while. Zach Blair and Daniel Summerhays and Mike Weir all tee off today in the <laughs> Corrales Club Championship on the PGA Tour in the Dominican Republic. Blair finished his first round at one under par. Summerhays <sighs> currently on the course and is even through three. Weir is also on the course and is even par through two holes. Jerem? Softball. Cougars face 10th-ranked LSU today in the We Got Jeff Grimes game. Uh, first round of the LSU round robin tournament at 7 Eastern. Tennis. Women's team takes on in-state rival Utah State today at 1 Eastern. Cougars in the NBA. Kind of. LJ Rose had 15 points, 9 assists, and 2 boards in the Salt Lake City Stars loss to the Rio Grande Valley Vipers in the G League. Cougars in the major leagues. San Diego Padres announced that former BYU pitcher and Padres GM Kevin Towers will be named to the team's Hall of Fame. Outstanding news. Towers recently deceased, uh, lost a battle with cancer. So that's cool. That's yeah, really cool it. stuff. Yep. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. It goes to uh, Kylie Greenleaf in gymnastics. They've been crushing it. 995. She's been fantastic. Came in here first time, did really well. Uh, I said that was a 995 interview. That was really good. Top 20 team for the first time in more than a decade. For the first time since 1847. It's been a long time. Is it fair to expect BYU basketball to make the NCAA tournament each year? Why or why not? At Ames Flame says, expect? No. Hope for? Of course. We always hope for the best. Hashtag blue goggle alert. Mm. Our elite tweet of the day from at Cosmo the Cougar. I expect the best, but then again, they expect that of themselves. Football could take a page out of that book. Sure, you may not get to New Year's, but shouldn't that be the goal? To qualify for something beyond what's given to you? Sure. Just don't say it out loud so that if you don't do it, we're not disappointed. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show's on demand, BYUSN.com. Audio podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Brogan Evanson. BYU Sports Nation back at noon Eastern. Quest for perfection.